Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Nina Turner and this is Unbossed Baby. And in the co-host chair today, we have none other than Big Waz in the house. Big Waz has been a little bit. Glad you're back with us on the show. A TYT contributor doing the thing all over the land. How are you? You're on mute. Sorry, whoops, muted that. <laughs> I'm good though. Thank you for having me on, Senator. Super excited to be on with you today. Good. Well, we are super excited to have you. And today, Big Waz and I are going to cover a whole array of issues as we usually do about this time. We got progressives pitch plan to combat APAC's dominance over Democratic primaries. Yours truly is a witness to the things that they do in Democratic primaries. And House progressives revive legislation to cut childhood poverty by nearly two thirds. And later in the show, residents in East Palestine still have rashes. They still dealing with this thing. And we gonna make sure we continue to lift up the story of the residents in East Palestine, Ohio. But we're gonna start with progressives pushing back against APAC. I am so glad to hear it. APAC, otherwise known as the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, has inserted its way into many Democratic primaries over the past Couple of years, specifically targeting progressive candidates such as myself. I still got the battle scars, y'all. And here's some quick background on APAC's influence over elections. Since the American Israel Public Affairs Committee launched its super PAC, the United Democracy Project, or UDP, in December of 2021, as a way to legally contribute unlimited amounts of money to directly influence elections and counter mounting opposition to Israel's apartheid within the Democratic Democratic Party, the powerful anti-Palestinian lobbying group has not been shy about what journalist David Dayen calls its perversion of the primary process. And this reporting is coming from Common Dreams. Thank you, Common Dreams, always laying it down. And Kenny is the writer of this particular article. Last year, for instance, APAC boasted that its Republican billionaire funded attack ads helped topple nearly 10 left-leaning Democrats in primary races, including Jewish Rep Andy Levin, former Rep. Donna Edwards and progressive champions Nita Alam in North Carolina and yours truly Nina Turner in Ohio and Jessica Cineros in Texas. So they boasted this, this was something that they bragged about. And let's put up a few receipts, shall we? Starting with TNT herself. Here's who's funding the PAC attacking Nina Turner. Democratic majority for Israel has spent hundreds of thousands on anti-Turner attack ads and misleading mailers to influence the Ohio special election primary reporting coming from Sludge. I can tell you definitely the witness to what happened in this district and no care and concern about what the needs of this district had, just a care and concern to elect somebody that they could control. Democratic Majority for Israel or DMFI has spent $738,000 opposing Turner and $203,000 supporting her chief opponent. With a large portion of that spending, $351,000 going towards producing and airing anti-Turner attack ads and smaller amounts going to digital platforms, advertising and direct mail pieces. 
oh my God, just even talking about this right now, Big Waz is uh, taking me back down memory lane for sure. And the power APAC has continues to grow in a write up for the nation. Alexandria Rojas and Waid Shahid detailed how far APAC is willing to go, especially in 2024. As we head into another cycle of competitive Democratic primaries, some Democratic operatives are suggesting that prospective candidates just get gets APAC's target off their back by conceding to the anti-Palestinian spending network made up of not just APAC, but also the Democratic majority for Israel, pro-Israel America, NORPAC and others. Though vague or overly conciliatory positions regarding the billions and largely unrestricted military aid that American taxpayers provide the Israeli military. Again, this writing is coming from Rojas and Shahid, so glad they wrote this. This view was summarized in one conference call last year in which a consultant suggested to a progressive candidate, why don't you just tweet something about how you support Israel if you want to avoid $5 million in attack ads. Furthermore, in the last cycle, APAC backed over 100 insurrectionist aligned Republicans. Let me one more time. In the last cycle, APAC backed over 100 erectionalist, insurrectionalist Allied Republicans opposed Democrats in the general election and primaries, spent zero dollars against Republican candidates and were largely funded by pro-Trump Republican donors, Robert Kraft, Bernard Marcus and Paul Sanger. Rojas and Shahid laid the advice down for progressive candidates who are in fact being targeted instead of catapulting progressives should continue building off of Lee's victory by coordinating our own networks of anti-occupation donors, operatives and local community members on the ground. Precisely mirroring the ideologically driven electoral infrastructure that APAC network has already Built. And so they were using Big Waz, the win by Congresswoman Summer Lee, which was in fact incredible with all that pressure that they put on her. I want to say some of the differences in the rate in the race that Summer Lee ran, now Congresswoman, is that many local leaders after seeing, I was the sacrificial lamb, but after seeing what had happened to me in my race and how they used my race as the model for what they decided to do all across the country, it enabled people like a Summer Lee to be able to react and respond and really build up that base as Rojas and Shahid lay out there of locals who came out and, and said what APAC is doing is wrong. But I can tell you guys, it is nothing. I mean, it is such, it is a terrible thing to have people who are outside your district come in and rain hellfire on you in the way that they did to me and so many others just because security and security for both people, security and justice for both peoples was my only platform, but that was not good enough. And as they talk about phone calls, I got I received a lot of phone calls saying, you know, just disavowed a squad, you know, overlaying some of the things that squad members had said on me as if I don't have agency and I can't think for myself. And that Palestinians had no rights that Israel mm. had to acknowledge. I was told by a mega, a mega donor who basically wow. told me that they were gonna come at me with everything that they had and they did. And you know, in many ways, what happened to me was anti-black. It was that. And just because the other candidate was black does not mean that the way they came at me was not in, in itself anti 
black. They talk a lot about anti-Semitism, but they don't talk about how these groups target, particularly not just progressives, but they target progressives of color and they come in so so viciously. It was in fact anti-black. Yeah, I mean, what this shines a light on is how anti-democratic our entire system is. I think they pay a lot of lip service to pro-democracy and the republic is in danger and blah, blah, blah. Whenever they wanna rile us up about what the Republicans are doing. But quite frankly, yes. when some outside organization can come in and affect the races, um, you know, despite whatever the popular support is for, let's just say your position, um, Senator Turner, that's anti-democratic. It's just that's a fact. Right. Um, and the thing is about progressives, man, that often becomes so frustrating is that even when you do beat the centrist, so to speak, corporatist wing of the Democratic Party, these same forces that go out and support Republicans. So that's it's right. not as it's not as if these people could say, "Oh, we're just Democrats. We want this one thing to happen, but we will support the party no matter what." These people have no allegiances and no alliances to anybody but themselves. Um, and it's quite sad that money can come in and obfuscate the will of the people. Because again, we talk about um, anti-democratic tendencies of quote-unquote Republicans. Yes. But guess what? People who the Democrats love. Okay, especially the establishment like this group, they're as anti-democratic as it gets. That's right, well, and like no concern for the district. You know, what about yep. a pro-Cleveland group, pro-America group, <laughs> pro-Congressional 11th District group or any other group? Just no regard for what the needs were for my community. It was really their needs and it had nothing to do with America itself. It had nothing to do with the 11th Congressional District. The fact that 50% of our children live you know, in poverty. The fact that a mm. true champion was needed to stand up for the people. And for me, you know, I that that was for me, that was my race was all about. It was about the people who live in the 11th Congressional District. And it is about justice and security for both Palestinians and and Israelis, you gotta have both for both people to live really good lives. And they do deserve to live good lives over there. The people in this country deserve to live good lives. And we need organizations that are based, I mean, just think about the name, which has nothing to do with Ohio or America. It is about a foreign country and they can come and attack candidates like myself and Jessica Cisneros. And even now Congresswoman Summer Lee, everything that she had to go through and to brag about it. Let's put that back up you all. You know, the, the candidates that they wiped out, Donna Edwards, and Donna Edwards really had very strong relationships with the status quo Democrats. I mean, very strong, but black woman, you see, they even messed with Representative Andy Levin, who is Jewish. I remember, you know, being with Senator Bernard Sanders in both of his presidential elections, and they came at him, and he is. Jewish, Nita Alam, a, per, a woman of color, Jessica, Jessica Cisneros, a woman of color, and on and on and on. And they really have perfected, absolutely perfected the method by which they come after progressives who are standing up for their people. And again, by and large, most of the progressives that they come after are of color. I want y'all to note that. And in my case, and Summer Lee's case, even though she won, and Representative Donna Edwards' case, and any other black candidate. I'm gonna say it's anti-black, and it is. 
You can't just talk about anti-Semitism and not talk about anti-blackness as if that's not a problem in this country as well. And that these groups come hard after black women and other people of color with a vengeance. So I am so again, so, so glad to see progressive leaders getting out there preparing progressive candidates for what they may have in store in 2024. And Big Waz, your point about how undemocratic this is and how aligned the Democratic Party is. Meanwhile, yeah, they will cast stones over there at the Republicans and they got the same thing going on in their house. It is absolutely appalling that this is happening, but I'm glad to see the progressives fighting back. Y'all keep on fighting back. And there, there's another group that's about to form too under the same premise, which is to not let leave progressives out there hanging and to fight back against the lies and the misrepresentation of groups that care nothing about the very district that they are fighting the progressive and trying to prevent the progressive from winning that race. Oh Lord, y'all taking me back memory, back down memory lane, not in a very good way. I'm gonna have to bring my fire extinguisher out on this. Uh, progressives revive, revive act to end childhood poverty. On to some good news. House progressives are working to cut the nation's child poverty rate by two thirds, reminding us once again, and I cannot say this enough. That poverty is in fact a policy choice. The trio of progressive US lawmakers on Thursday reintroduced legislation to help slash childhood poverty. Progressive US lawmakers, they are Reps Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and, and Chewy Garcia. Wonderful trio, glad that they're doing this. The three are reviving the In Child Poverty Act, which was first introduced by Tlaib and then Representative Mondaire Jones in February of 2022. If passed and signed into law by President Joe Biden, the legislation would replace the child tax credit and the child provisions in the earned income tax credit with a universal child benefit paying families $393 per month per child. It estimates that the legislation would reduce US childhood poverty by 64% and deep child poverty defined as living in a household with a total cash income below 50% of its poverty threshold by 70%. Reporting coming from Common Dreams, Common Dreams is doing this thing. Thank you, Brett, for this. And a fact sheet released by Tlaib's office illustrated the following. Because the program would be universal and include no income phase ins or phase outs, children in the US would be automatically enrolled at birth. Hello, somebody. And every family would receive a monthly payment for every child they are currently caring for until the age of 18 years old. Now, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib tweeted the following. Poverty is a policy choice. One in every five children in Michigan lives below the poverty line. I'm introducing the In Child Poverty Act to create a universal child assistance program and ensure that every child has the resources they need to thrive. And meanwhile, Rep Omar stated the following on Twitter. 
or, or stated the following in an interview. In the midst of a devastating pandemic, President Biden and Democrats in Congress took drastic actions to help families in my district stay afloat. Expanding life changing benefits like Medicaid and SNAP and expanding the child tax credit to finally benefit the most vulnerable among us. This action alone cut childhood poverty in half. And let me say this big wise, let's put big wise up too and glad that the representatives are weighing in there doing this. You know, how you gonna do a good thing and then you snatch it back? Yeah. I mean, they they taken away the COVID, so-called COVID emergency, which people are still living in an emergency. They did not expand the child tax credit. They didn't even keep it wise, they took it away. And so while I appreciate what Representative Ilhan Omar is saying, yeah, they did that, but then they took it back. And to me, there's something even more like deadly about giving somebody a benefit like that, giving their children a benefit like that, and then snatching it back and pretending like it didn't happen. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, you give the military industrial complex all the money they need, but we got starving children in hoods all over this country, whether they be rural hoods, urban hoods, or suburban hoods. Shame on the Democrats for allowing that to happen and shame on the Republicans too. Because the last time I checked, there are poor people in every state in this union. And at some point wise, we gotta rock with, this ain't about who on the red team, on the blue team. This is about who's on the team standing up for the people. Well, absolutely, and obviously you hit the nail right on the head. And it kind of makes you wonder when Donald Trump and his regime could pass massive record breaking tax cuts for the rich. <laughs> For the people who are doing the best in our country and in our economy. Um, however, when poor people get a break and children get lifted out of hunger and poverty, uh, we gotta say, ah, that's temporary. We don't need to keep that. Uh, we can't afford that. But you know, the richest among us, they can have their tax cuts from now um, and in perpetuity. And and you know, I just think that. It's awful, and you know the last thing I'll say is that obviously in this country there's this individualistic sort of ethos that permeates the whole country yes. and this nonsense about bootstrapping. You would hope that we could spare young children from that crap. Come on, uh, these people, uh, these young people who don't make a choice about what their circumstances are. I would hope that we would, you know, make a world that these folks could eat um, and get to school and not be on an empty stomach and feel horrible every single day. There it is, Waz, and we have covered, you know, for the last two weeks, states that are either expanding universal meal programs, whether it's yep. breakfast and or lunch or one or the other in states in this country and in states that are not expanding it at all. As a matter of fact, yesterday we did a story about North Dakota where these mofos voted themselves extra money for, for meals, but then had the pure unadulterated gall to vote against a bill that would expand universal lunch to poor children in their states. I mean, this is the kind of scene, this is the kind of zeitgeist, if you will, unfortunately, that is permeating our country. And it is very selfish, very. And a lot of these states wise need to look, these, these voters need to look at themselves in the mirror because they voted for these people. Not all, because obviously there was counter forces voting for other people. But you know, by and large, these types of people have won these offices, and it's mainly GOP-led legislatures where this kind of foolishness is happening. And so, I am so glad to see you know these progressive reps step up and reintroduce this legislation. They shouldn't have to do it, but I'm glad that they are. And then Rep. Omar, senior advisor, Jeremy. 
tweeted the following in the wake of the expanded child tax credit expiring at Rashida Tlaib, at Ilhan and at Chewy have a new bill to create a universal child benefit, $4,700 a year for every child would cut child poverty by nearly two thirds. It's really good and I agree with Jeremy, this is in fact really, really good. So look, sisters and brothers and family and friends, let me tell you what you can do here. You can send an email, a message in a bottle, smoke signals by train or by plane to your members of Congress. Go ahead and send them an email, baby, write them an old fashioned letter, tweet at them, do something. Pick up the phone and call, I know that's old fashioned. And let them know that they should support this bill that has been introduced by these representatives. And we need somebody in the Senate to take up the charge as well. If this country does not do this, all right? This is, this is, this, this is on all of our hands, that we have a country so callous that they will continue to watch children wallow in poverty. This policy that these three representatives are pushing is an opportunity to correct course. All right, America, family and friends, sisters and brothers, and even frenemies, y'all go ahead and do that. And then while you're at it, give those three reps a thank you. Send a thank you to Talib and Garcia and Omar, because oftentimes people don't get thanked when they are on the right track. We will be right back. After this, wrap your your mind around all that Waz and I have covered in this first few minutes of Unbossed. And welcome back to the show. TYT has been nominated for another Webby Award, this time in the viral video category for Anna's passionate rant on abortion rights. Head to tyt.com slash vote to cast your vote today. Voting closes on April 20th. Come on and help us win that award. And you can become a TYT member. Members make our work possible, we need you. So we're so glad that you watch, so glad that you subscribe and like and all of that good stuff. But if you wanna take this whole relationship to another level, Become a member, baby, go to tyt.com slash member, do that. And you can watch your favorite TYT shows on Pluto TV, Samsung TV, plus Ruko, YouTube TV, and more by searching for TYT or the Young Turks. And remember to add our channel to your favorites. And look at that beautiful lineup, baby, you can't beat that. The Damage Report, undisputable, undisputable, undisputable. It's beautiful, that's what I was trying to say. Unbossed with yours truly, the watch list, the Young Turks, and some bonus episodes, so do that. Now on to my favorite part of the show, our TYT viewers comments, starting with TYT members, Mountain Dragon, hey Mountain Dragon, Black Pearl Dragon, and the Big Waz, keeping it simple today. Just love, thank you Mountain Dragon. We sending that love right back to you, baby. And on Twitch, Simon, Nina, let's go, let's go baby, let's go, let's go, let's go. And on YouTube, Super Chat, our very own Freddie in the house. Senator Turner and Waz are on fire, where's the fire extinguisher? You know what, I'm gonna have to bring her out. Freddie, I almost brought her out in that first segment, talking about, APAC and, and what they did against progressives. I almost brought her out. Yeah, but here she is. She's never far. 
always ready. Thank you all so much for your comments. Thank you for your support of the show. And thank you for your support of the TYT network. Now we're headed back to my home state, the great state of Ohio. Uh, talking about the residents, give you some updates on what is happening to the residents in East Palestine. So the drama and the trauma continues. You know that train that derailed in February? Well, yeah, the outlay of that is still traumatizing the residents there. And clearly the residents of East Palestine are still going through, still catching hell. And I want you to check out this tweet right here from Status Quo. 67 days since the East Palestine train derailment. Below are ongoing rashes residents are developing on city water, which Governor Mike DeWine and the EPA have declared safe. This rash is on the back of resident Julie Rachel. She's had for nearly three weeks and we got permission to post this. And you can see the rash that is on her back and her whole family is being impacted by this. If you want to see more photographs and go deeper into the story, just go ahead and go to status quo on Twitter. And Governor DeWine did and the EPA, they absolutely did say that that water was okay to drink, the water was okay to bathe in, despite you know fish, thousands of fish dying, despite wildlife revealing that there is something wrong with the water, the soil and the air. They actually told these residents that it was okay. And also this headline right here, Ohio train derailment highlights waste disposal predicament. When words surface that soils and liquids laced with chemicals from the East Palestine Ohio train derailment were being sent to Southern Eastern Michigan for storage, local residents and politicians were livid and they had every single right to be livid. And I'm glad that folks are in tune and they're not just letting these folks send this stuff here without putting up a fight. They should be. And sisters and brothers and family and friends, don't you think this system is asinine? Don't you think it's a stupid system to allow poison soil or poison anything that just ravaged one community to send it to another community? I mean, what kind of sense does that make? Not only is it a systemic failure that this is happening in this country, it's immoral as hell. It really is. And again, residents, don't take this, nobody should take this. This is an example of structural failure, what we're witnessing right here. And East Palestine is just one example of this. This happens all the time, all over this country. It is East Palestine that is just reminding us that we shouldn't continue to take this, this nonsense. So people were seeing pictures of what happened in Ohio, the smoke plumes, wildlife dying. They were hearing about people having health issues and that's scary. And now it's coming into your community. And that's coming from Jordan Salak, a director of a local government coalition, right? Nobody don't want that stuff in their backyard. And they mainly ship it through communities that are either working class, working poor, barely middle class, because there's a class issue here. Yeah, is it race at times? Absolutely it is. But by and large, it's classism. Because see, the residents of East Palestine, that's a working community that has some poor people in it, some working class people in it. So they they expendable. But just like the residents of Flint, Michigan, 
or Jackson, Mississippi. It's the same pattern, sisters and brothers and family and friends. And we should not take it. So, so loud was the outcry that the US Environmental Protection Agency halted shipments from the crash site in the town of 5000 to a hazardous wasteland field and underground deep injection wells in suburban Detroit. People, again, have every single right to be mad as hell and decide that they're not gonna take it anymore. A big wise, some of your thoughts about what continues to happen. I mean, this is the, we can't call it the gift that keeps on giving, but we right. keep getting new revelations about what is happening in East Palestine and how it is really impacting everybody in this country to some extent, some more directly and others of us indirectly. Yeah, if, if ever there was a case um, that proved that we needed a robust regulatory state in order to keep people uh, safe and secure, uh, this is it, right? Um, what can these people do? These poor and working people do um, about this multi-billion dollar corporation's huge F up? There's Come no other on. way to describe this. How are they supposed to fight this without their government stepping in on their behalf to regulate these folks and incentivize them to do this way more safely than is their custom? That's right. right. We know what they're doing. They're cutting costs in order to maximize profits, health and safety be damned. And and you said it, these, these are the most at risk folks that we have in our country, right? And they have no other resource. And so, um, yeah, this is just, you know, this is just the most obvious case of the fact that we need a robust regulatory state, especially when it comes. Again, it's not like these companies are barely getting by, and it's like, oh, we can't, we can't even make a, a buck. Or if you if you force us to work safely, and if you force us to consider the citizens, uh, Senator Turner, we can't make money. These are billions. Dollar companies. That's right. Why? Wow. If you lose some of your profits, so be it. This is the safety of our communities we're talking about here. And, and, and I'm so glad you brought up the workers because they're being impacted by this as well. They've cut staff, they're making them work longer shifts, you know, and then we know what just happened in the 117th Congress to the rail workers that simply wanted paid sick leave, of which they have zero. And the Congress, Crazy. And this current president, took away. And, and, their and right. Joe Biden steps yeah. in on behalf of the rail companies, of That's course. Right. And they were able to claw back some, you know, uh, they, they, they got some stuff back. But the fact that the government stepped in when these folks organized and withheld their labor at the most opportune time for themselves. Okay, uh, they went to capitalize, uh, Senator Turner, and lo and behold, look who steps in. Yeah, steps in the free market. Oh, look who does it. Come on, come on, <laughs> steps in the free market. Can we teach that lesson? <laughs> Stepped in and took away their right to use the strongest tool that they have in the toolbox, which is with never holding their labor just for sick. I mean, it was for sick time. While they have zero and some employees got a little bit of something, but overall vastly in that industry, they do not have it. And every American should be concerned about that because they they deliver the things that we need every single day, things that we take for granted. And if we are not gonna show solidarity with rail workers, 
Seriously? But yeah, because this president and the 117th Congress decided to take away their ability to strike, citing that it would have a detrimental impact on the economy. Now we know that to be true. So if in fact we know that to be true, then why not give them what they want? Give them or what they ask exactly, for. Exactly, or why not put pressure on the damn company? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking why, about. Why is the pressure being put on the workers who, the bird. Do, who, right. who, who do everything that is asked of them? They go above and beyond. These people Come are on, on call for you know dozens of days Hours at a time. Yes, they miss at family events. They don't yes. get vacations. All of this kind of stuff. This is what they do for the measly compensation that they get. And yet the fat cats, they just get to call Joe Biden and his Come homies, on. and uh, everything is right for them. It's awful. Campaign finance reform. Campaign finance reform, because this president and that Congress, and there are about a few of them, maybe a handful of them that voted the other way that said, no, we're not voting against the, the rail workers. They should be able to strike if these fat cats, as you say, the robber barons, the rail yep. barons of the 21st century. You know what? The owner donors won out, as they usually do. There's gonna be a reckoning in this country, though. It really is. So we're gonna keep on pushing on that. Now, so there's a truck spill too that we gotta deal with and talk about a little bit because this same soil, I mean, they say it happened in East Palestine. You know, one of my favorite quotes from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., because it's always relevant, like 99.9% of the time, is what happens to one directly happens to us all indirectly. So this soil, team put up this headline, truck carrying. 40,000 pounds of toxic soil from East Palestine train derailment site crashes on the highway. Now, big wild, now we talking about a truck crashes. Okay, they, they, I mean, making me think something spiritual is happening here, but the truck carrying the soil, a truck that was responsible for carrying 40,000 pounds of contaminated soil from East Palestine, Ohio where a train carrying hazardous materials crashed in February, overturned on Monday. The Ohio Environmental Protection Agency said that roughly half of the soil that was on the truck ended up spilling along the highway. This is real, CBS News reporting, thank you for that. And here is the footage of that crash. And I mean, why? Look at it, and so they're gonna say. So they're also saying that none of the soil hit waterways, which is good. But then they hit the soil. The soil hit clean soil, and they're not wise. They're not gonna be able to clean all that up. And who's gonna make these folks whole? And 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 that's the that's the main problem, right? We 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 don't hold these folks accountable, right? Uh, the companies themselves, and then of course because the concept of having some kind of welfare state where the richest government country in the world might step in and be like, through no fault of your own citizens, the soil in your community has been poisoned. We're gonna make this right for you guys. This is the entire point of building a society. This is the entire point of a federal government. Um, nobody's gonna do this. And so the government 
can't step in to do this. And of course, God forbid we ever hold corporations accountable. <laughs> Who knows what would happen then? You know, there it is. The the world may come crashing down because <laughs> we hold some corporations accountable. But why? I mean, look at those pictures, those photographs. I guess the wind wasn't blowing that day or anything because they could not possibly think that they're going to contain all of that contaminated soil. So now you have another community vulnerable because of the way this soil is being transported. Now the driver got cited for I think not being able to control his vehicle, but we I want to see Norfolk Sutherland cited. I want to see right. Norfolk Sutherland bounce wise. That's what I and this is a great time for us to talk about nationalizing the railway. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because the bottom line is there's no way that rival companies can come in and lay new rail. So That's these right. people essentially function as a monopoly. And guess what? This is a vital, vital part of our economy. There's no reason why private actors should be able to own this thing um, and have a monopoly and poison the hell out of our citizens. Uh, absolutely, I'm with you on that. We need to nationalize this thing and take this thing back from these folks. Absolutely. Without consequence, so they get all the benefits. Yeah, they get all the benefits. And none of the risk. They they the don't risk. they get subsidized whenever they ruin the lives of our people and it's expected that the government fix this stuff Come to on. the extent that they're willing to or even can and they just get to maximize all their profits. It's it's incredible, honestly. It really is incredible. I'm telling you, this is the, the second phase of the Gilded Age. And Dr. Robert Rice talks about that a lot. We are in the Gilded Age yet again. And you know who suffers? The poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class. And you know what? Most of us are in that category, whether we know it or not. We want a two or three or four, maybe five, if you bless, paychecks away. And don't let a medical emergency take your family. You could be wiped out even if you are in the upper echelons. So come on now, we need a different social contract in America. Really, this right here is untenable. And all the lies that have been told to the residents of East Palestine while they still suffering, their babies are suffering. We got to do something about that because it's East Palestine today. It'll be somewhere else near you and with some people you really, really, really do love tomorrow. We, we ain't gonna take it, all right? All right, WTF neoliberal baby. Oh, We haven't done one of these in a while, Governor Gavin Newsom and Jen. Oh. Saki is in this two classic neoliberals got together and did a sit down interview. And what they discussed has me saying WTF neoliberal. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema. Miss Cinema. No. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. <laughs> so Biden will be reelected. <laughs> you are on his advisory. Deservedly committee. so. Uh, no master class. This is simple. You cannot. In modern times, I say this with respect at peril of uh, some previous Democrats maybe being a little insulted by this. Uh, his legislative accomplishments last two and a half years, there's just nothing that comes close. And you're seeing the results all across this country already. Oh, it's time to throw some damn papers. And if I wasn't gonna damage wise my studio, I'd throw my fire extinguisher. <laughs> no other administration, none. None? Really, sir? Whilst we just got through talking about how they let the child tax credit expire and catapulted babies back into poverty. We just got done talking about how they took away the rights of, of members of workers within the rail industry not to be able to strike to get paid 
sick leave. Hello, somebody? They increased the military industrial complex's budget. They taken away the emergency for COVID even though people still catching hell. Eggs are at all time high, the chicken wing is cheaper than the eggs. And you saying some Democrats may be offended by this, sir? No, Democrats should, the people of this country should be offended by the conditions by which people are still navigating. Lord have mercy on my soul wise, I can't take it. You know, they a bunch of Kool-Aid drinkers. Put wise up y'all, we just gonna have this conversation. <laughs> they a bunch of Kool-Aid drinkers. And then he talking to Jen Psaki, who was the former press secretary for President it's Biden. Incredible. I mean, they allow people to fell up. But go ahead, wise. It's 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 truly incredible and it's so tone deaf. Of course, this is the guy who's shutting down um, California, but yet having you know twelve hundred dollar lunch dates with his donors and homies at the French Laundry up in Napa Valley. Of course, this guy is about as tone deaf as they come. The people there are people out here actually struggling and hurting and and yes. It was nice when Joe Biden stepped up and got some people some $1,400 checks, even though they promised 2,000. Um, but 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 guess what? Those same checks, his freaking Fed chief is now in the process of trying their damnness That's it. to punish American workers. They're trying to induce a, re- a recession because they want to dampen worker strength. That's yes. Joe Biden's Fed. This is what these people are doing. We already talked about what they did with the rail workers. And wise, he kept the Fed chair. I mean, he kept what Trump had. So again, of course, he's talking about I me. Mean, these corporatist Dems are similar. I mean, it's the same coin, just different size. And let us not forget the Gavin Newsom, God bless his soul, is angling to run for president. So he wanted to be in the good graces. Just in case, so he either gonna run this time or he gonna run next time. But that that's primarily what this is is all about. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Newsom, he says the right things about these sort of social issues. He pays them great lip service um, and he is absolutely obsessed and works at the behest of the donor class and the corporate class. So therefore, uh, Senator Turner, he's the perfect establishment dem. We yes, know that. he is. He's, and, and, he and, is and, just and picture got, perfect for that, that set of folks. No, he is, and he got the look and the hype and all that other superficial stuff yep. that people wanna, wanna see in a presidential candidate. But baby, I will choose substance over symbol. Any day. So Waz, let's put this up. This is what Cal, you know, so he said this is a great administration, everything's going good, the best administration ever. See, that's where you get messed up when you're talking about ever. Because I think passing the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. I mean, talk about come it. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> I think the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution. Hello, it with a caveat with the 13th. We can talk about 13th because you know there was a loophole in that thing. But I'm just saying, when you say the best ever. And not take real analysis about how people right now are suffering in real time in this country. Now it's all right to say he did a few good things. You know, it's all right to say that. And if that's your cat, that's good too. But you can't say the best ever. 
while children are wallowing in poverty. You can't say the best ever. We got mass shootings, it seemed like almost every other day in this country. You can't say the best ever when you got GOP controlled legislatures turning back the hands of time and GOP governors like that governor in Florida, the sanctimonious, trying to wipe away black history and the existence of black people. You can't say the best ever when you ain't willing to gas up the jet and go all up in Tennessee. When those racist Republican members expelled two black members for standing up against the slaughter of children who didn't even live in a district, which they were supposed to stand up. Because when something like that or that magnitude happens, this ain't about geography no more. You can't say the best ever. But he said it any any damn way because again, he angling. But this is it, we ain't got an angle on boss. We can tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Now here is Biden's current approval rating. Team, look at this with a stunning 52% disapproval rating. <laughs> Governor Gavin Newsom. <laughs> it's it's laughable and and guess what? I live in the state of California where th- this is the, this is the ultimate indictment of establishment Dems. Come on. The state of California where you the state house the um the state house and the governorship are both run and governed unimpeded by the republicans it's all democrat and guess what this isn't some paradise for working people this isn't some paradise for normal everyday folks if you got some paper yes california is great it's working fantastically for you if you are any other type of resident it's not, and there's nothing stopping these folks. The state is rich as hell. There is an incredible economic base that they could be doing all this wonderful stuff for people if they so wanted to. But I think places like California, to be honest, is the greatest indictment of Democrats that exist because they don't have the Republican boogeyman to scare us with. with oh, you can't just, you have to vote for us because if the Republicans come, it's gonna come be so on. horrible. That doesn't exist here as an impediment, and yet things are not going great. Come on, why? Gavin Newsom is at the head of that. So. At the head of no universal health care. You know, when the man ran the first time, he promised that. I remember him getting the endorsement of the United, uh, the nurses, National Nurses United, whose major issue was Medicare for all. And then this dude, this dude backed away from that. And while you got some members of the California legislature pushing, you got others. And as you just said, Wise, they ain't got Republicans to blame in the great state of California, but they ain't did it. See, so he just like all the rest. So, you know, he noted all of Biden's great accomplishment, but when some of Biden's promises, according to the Pointner Institute, 32 promises have been stalled. Let's take a look at those promises. Promises made and what promises have been kept. All right, Biden's biggest letdown. So we see the graph, the promises kept 25%, compromised 5%, broken promises 1%, stalled promises 32%, and in the works 35%. Now in the works, you know, that's kind of dicey. That's kind of like in the middle. We don't know what's gonna happen there, but let's put this up. Biden's biggest letdown, work to codify Roe v. Wade, forgive student loan debt from public colleges and universities, enact the Equality Act, use a national commission to address policing issues, block new fracking on federal lands, but not ban all fracking. As a matter of fact, he let Willow, the Willow Project, hello, 
in for profit detention centers, hell, in for profit prisons, make union organizing easier for workers. No George Floyd Act, no John Lewis Voting Rights Act. I mean, we can go on and on and on. But Gavin's terrible take didn't, it didn't end there because he, of course, had to weigh in on Ron DeSantis. Take a look. He's gonna get rolled by Trump. Trump's just gonna roll him, thumped. I honestly, if I were offering him political advice, I'd, I'd tell him to pack up and, and wait a few years. And actually do some of the hard work, which actually includes governing, not just identity and culture work. Um, actually go back and actually start to address some of the insurance issues, start to address some of the cost uh, issues, and particularly cost of housing. These are very familiar, I'm very humbled by all of this. I understand the systemic trouble, I'm the first to acknowledge, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I- <laughs> I know Waz, put Waz up, right, it is. <laughs> this man brought up housing prices in the he state did. from the state of California, like that, that, that is just rich. We're talking about a high housing crisis here in the state. We're talking about, you know, especially in the Bay Area where he's from, where these homeowners, these NIMBYs, they just refuse for any um, new construction to be made that could house some folks and maybe, you know, some people who don't work in the tech sector or economy or haven't been rich forever can afford to, you know, maybe live in a decent crib or a home or whatever. Um, Gavin Newsom saying that from where he sits is just mwah, chef's kiss. It's it's perfect. There it is. And you know, the only thing he did get right that I could slightly, not slightly agree with, is the Santas need to just go and stay in Florida. Yeah, don't yeah. spread this terror all over the country. Now that part I do agree <sighs> with, but where does he get, he gets it wrong, all right? Yeah. No, waiting a few years, we don't ever want Ron DeSantis to be president of the United States of America. But we don't want him to wait a few years, we want him to wait a lifetime. Do not, brother, do not run for office. Florida, keep that foolishness over there. He is a vile thinking man, anti-black, you know, just just keep, 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 keep the man over there, all right? He's a he authoritarian. That's what the sanctimonious is. But he ain't even polling that well. <laughs> so we may or may not have to worry about him. Let's put up this graph. Republican preferences for Trump over DeSantis has increased after Trump's indictment. If your state's 2024 Republican primary for president were held today, who would you vote for? Percentage of registered voters who are Republicans or independents who lean Republican. And you can see former President Donald J. Trump is stumping the sanctimonious. <laughs> That's what he's doing, he's stumping them. You know? Meatball Ron getting Meat, rolled early. Meatball Ron. <laughs> Meatball Ron. I, I still was. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm a desanctimonious girl. I mean, I do. Are you I, a desanctimonious? Be sanctimonious, because that is just what that man is. Lord, have mercy on all of our souls. Let's, 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 we'll keep this man away from the White House. Oh my God, our time is winding <laughs> down. Let is, let's go to some good news really, really quickly. Representative Justin Jones was reinstalled. Yes, he was. Take a look at this, baby. Take the vote. Aye. Hello, 
somebody, that was the moment that Nashville City Council unanimously voted to send Representative Jones back to the Tennessee State Legislature. This was, of course, after he and Representative Justin Pearson were expelled by the Tennessee GOP protesting alongside activists calling for gun reform following a mass shooting which killed three children and three adults. Now upon being reinstated, Jones and his supporters marched to the state capitol. Let's take a look at this. Ooh, that's my jam, baby. All right, so that's for Representative Justin Jones. And then Representative Justin Pearson, that vote to reinstate him will happen tomorrow. Jones, however, was sworn in on the Capitol steps where he let the people and GOP know that this was just the beginning for their mission. He was also joined by Representative Justin Pearson. Take a look. It's not about one person, it's not about one position, but it's about a movement of people power to restore the soul and heart of what this building should represent, and that is democracy. And so I want to thank you all for being here today, particularly the young people who are the heartbeat of this movement. It was students taking, walking out of classes and taking to this capital that led us into the well that day, calling for common sense gun laws. And the first thing I do when I walk into this building as a representative is to continue that call for common sense gun legislation. That they try to crucify democracy, but you see here a resurrection of a movement, a multiracial movement for democracy happening in Tennessee. With my brother Pearson. Oh, Justin yes. Pearson. How you doing, sir? Yes. Good to see you again. Great to see you again. What, what does it say to see this happen? Yes! Democracy still works, and people power always wins. There it is in action, people rallying around. Now, while, hey, team, I know we only got a little bit more time left. Please put up that quote from a Representative Justin Pearson when you have people who make comments about hanging you on a tree. While they're putting that up, Big Wise, your thoughts about this? I mean, I think those Republicans in Tennessee really let their their clan flags fly for a few seconds there. And, mm-hmm. and when you when you so dominate a state government, they really think they're untouchable. Luckily for um, for us and those representatives, uh, the story went national, and there was enough pressure to be like, guys, um, you know, yeah, stop with yeah. the grand wizardry for once, please. For once, blue suits over white sheets. And let me read this real quick. <laughs> when you have black people who make comments about When you have people, excuse me, who make comments about hanging you on a tree and hanging black people on a tree as a form of capital punishment. When you wear a dashiki on the house floor and a member gets up and they talk about your dashiki saying it's unprofessional. They're really sending signals that you don't belong here indeed, but y'all going back, baby. Yes, you are, you shouldn't have to have went through this, but we all as a nation gonna be the better forward. We're going to keep on fighting. That's our time today. Please always, always keep the faith. More importantly, keep the fight. Until next time, we're going to stay on this story, sending love. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie and the Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.